0: on the stories of the supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show and I think you're all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing fantastic. And again, one of the reasons I'm doing fantastic is who I have as a guest. I have a gentleman by the name of Matthew Swain. Now, Matt, he is a journalist who currently works as a research writer at Penn State. He's worked as a reporter and as a music reviewer for several newspapers and inline outlets. Now, he writes about fringe signs and the paranormal, yay, and balancing skepticism with an open mind. Matt uses his experience in journalism and interest in both ghost lore and the paranormal to collect and tell stories about the supernatural. He is the author of Ghost of Country Music, America's Haunted Universities, Haunted Rock and Roll, and due to release in October, Haunted World War II. So how are you doing today, Matt?
1: I'm doing great. How are you doing?
0: Fantastic. Well, I'm going to ask you, Matt, what I ask all my guests, which is considering... um, the subject of your books did you ever have a first-hand paranormal experience or how did you get involved with that
1: well i guess how i got involved with this is uh it i, I really blame my mom because i was born on halloween so oh, one of those <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah now I've, I've met some people who were born on halloween who've been well adjusted but uh it it turns out not so much for me. I, I've been interested, I think since I can remember, I've always been interested in, uh, ghost stories, horror movies, cryptozoology, UFOs, fringe science, anything that is sort of, you know, on the, on the fringe I've been Mm -hmm. uh, attracted to. And I really think that it was that experience, uh, you know, having a, a birthday around Halloween, I, sure. I just feel that it was, uh, it, was, it was natural for me to get in, into that. How I got into writing about it is a little different. Well, it, it, it actually has similar origins, but um, when I worked as a newspaper reporter and being born on Halloween, I tended to uh, gravitate towards all that would come up every year.
2: Uh So I
1: I always liked writing these Halloween feature stories. And at one point I decided I would do um, a feature story about um, local ghost legends. Okay. So I started investigating and started talking to people who had experiences or, or maybe even people that didn't have experiences, but knew the, the stories pretty well. Okay. And that led me to write this feature story. And when I, Released this feature. When the feature story was published, I was just amazed at the reaction. I would say that of all the stories that I've written, like hundreds of them, okay. this one drew the most attention. So that, I think, inspired me to write more about okay. it because I, it, it just seemed like a natural thing.
0: So it was the response was more than you expected? Way
1: more. I, I just thought it was a, you know, a clever little uh, story, uh, topical, holiday related. But what I found is that people, for whatever reason, people came up to me on the streets, yes, in restaurants, in bars, and then they would start telling me. So there, so the way that I kind of phrase this is: there's a lot of what I would call ghost lore, which is more folklore, mm-hmm. and then there are personal ghost accounts. Right. And uh, and also, you should know that I'm I'm pretty easily freaked out. <laughs> uh, so it, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a, a a perfect situation for me because people will tell me stories that, uh, you know, will, will give me a shiver up my spine. Um, so so that's kind of one answer to how I got here. But I think you also asked about paranormal experiences. Yes. yes. So I have a really high bar for paranormal experiences and mm-hmm. I try very hard. To debunk everything sure. uh, so I, I I never I can never say that I had any paranormal experiences I had some experiences that were weird enough okay. anomalous enough to make me keep an open mind and and certainly when I hear these stories of, of people that I know and trust right uh, friends and family who have had these experiences it it you know will always make me keep an open mind sure so that's how i i do that
0: and i tell everybody you know everybody thinks that because anybody's involved in the paranormal whether you're an author an investigator whatever that you're like you'll fall for anything you know anybody tells you and i go on the contrary the biggest skeptics is the people in that you know if you're a real good researcher or author like you said you you set the bar high as far as at least thinking, okay, there's more to this than just it's not natural, in other words. So. Yeah,
1: that's a, that's definitely the experience I've had writing these books. Uh, I I actually have turned a lot towards uh, paranormal investigators and researchers and, and Ghostbusters for that reason because I will go to them looking for personal experiences because I, I just have built a rapport and trust, and a lot of those people mm-hmm. have – uh, uh, almost, a, I would say, a sense of mission, usually because they've had an encounter and want to try to explain it. Sure. I don't know how many times that I've had a uh, started to write a piece, and I would say, "Well, you know, I the, the ghost of Jim Morrison, so this is definitely a uh, poltergeist." And they would say, "Well, have they looked at this? This is California. It could be that." You know, right. they have. They're they're far more skeptical than I am. Like I said, everything freaks me out. I'm ready to believe
0: anything. Especially, well, you know when sometimes, ghosts being the nature of ghosts, sometimes it's especially when somebody's trying to say, well, it's somebody famous. Sometimes, but sometimes it's real. Could be, but it also could not be. Um, Right. You know, it depends, you know, especially if it's, oh, well, if it's at that location, it's got to be that person. Not necessarily. Uh, There's a lot of people in the background that are not famous or notorious that yes. had their own drama going on and maybe that's why yes. they're haunting the place. And, you know. and that
1: absolutely, I had to make that poise, uh, piece uh, a couple of times um, in my books because there are several locations reportedly haunted by rock musicians, country mm-hmm. musicians, but you don't know the full story. So uh, it's not like they've come out and signed autographs as right, the exactly. of Deanna's job.
0: Exactly. But still, and then there's others that, you know, especially if it's uh, something that somebody who knew them in life really knew uh, intimately about them, in other words. Right. That they could say, I know that whatever it was, an EVP or something or whatever it is that they actually witnessed, it would say, hey, the only, I know that this is the ghost of this person because I knew them when they were alive. Right. And this and... belongs to them. Yeah, that's different. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and sometimes uh, with, for instance, the, the ghost of Janis Shoplin reportedly haunts, uh, I think it's the Highland Motel in, in Santa Monica. Uh, maybe it was the Highland, but in, in any event, uh, they notice, uh, especially there's a there's a studio that she has reportedly haunted too, but they can tell by the, the personality behind the little okay. pranks that it's her. Or they hear her laugh and they, they, you know, those are things that, uh, point, you know, that it could be related to that personality.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like I said, usually the people that, that would be able to like, absolutely, because you know how, for example, I'm going to use musicians, musicians, there's like uh, a certain things that get out in the public knowledge and everybody knows about it, but then there's certain things that people only that know them on a first name basis or intimately will know about Mm -hmm. them. And those are the people that, when they say yes, I witnessed or I saw, I heard this, and I know this about this person that nobody else. That's when you start thinking, okay, now there's definite evidence that maybe that whatever it is that's going on there. Yeah, that is that person, that act-
1: right? That reminds me of a lot of the stories with uh, John Lennon and uh, encounters with John Lennon, because even. The Beatles, uh, the remaining Beatles, George, Ringo, and and Paul were, I think, in the Bermuda recording uh, for the anthology that they were putting together, and there were several reports leaked out that several things happened to make them, convince them that that uh, John was kind of haunting that, and one was, uh, they were in the middle of um, a photographic session, and a a peacock went right out in front of them and spread its feathers right in front of the the band so that the photographer couldn't get a good shot. And I think it was Paul that immediately said that that has to be John. That's a John thing. Right. And then there were other connections. because Right, John exactly. Had, and that makes yeah. so much
0: sense that something like that, like you said, here they're getting together and they're trying to produce something special. And you would think absolutely if there's any point that, Somebody's going to make an appearance as far as from the other side. This is it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and John had also talked about using feathers as a sign uh, oh, that he's crossed over. Oh, wow.
0: I did not yeah. know that.
1: Yeah. There's a uh, Julian, his son had, had mentioned that that was, uh, he had a talk with his father and that he was given sort of impromptu a white feather while he was uh, filming in Australia. So there's there's all kinds of very clever synchronicities and, and yes. neat things that go along with that investigation of of who's doing what in the haunting world. Yes,
0: yes exactly. And I know because you, I know you wrote one book about country music, mm-hmm. and I know that you wrote the book about rock and roll. And let's face it; I mean, if you look at as who's what's the fodder for hauntings, there's a lot of these uh, people that are involved in not all of them, but they have very dramatic lives. They have a lot of things going on and, you know, yeah. uh, that, you know, sometimes some of them even die uh, violently or unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. They leave loose ends. All the things that you would think of as why would somebody haunt. A lot of the people in that type of business fit that profile as to why they want to be back. You know, like I'm not happy being dead or I I need right. to insert myself into this because, um, some of them, despite sometimes being really successful in the music industry, sometimes you read about things that go on in the other parts of their lives, and they were not that successful in other parts of their lives. Unfortunately.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you bring up a very interesting point about uh, music and and what ha- the whole story about. I wish this. I wish it was a more dramatic story about how I started writing about it. But essentially, I had finished up um, writing about haunted universities, and
2: okay.
1: my acquisition editor said, "Do you have any other ideas?" And I had read a few years earlier *Take a Walk on the Dark Side* by R. Gary Patterson, which kind of opened me up to this idea of uh, all the strange and all the strange curses and and occult phenomena that followed rock and roll. It was just, it's just a great book hmm. And I and I had this in, in the back of my mind and I just kind of blurted out ghost stories of rock and roll. And, okay. and she's like, I love it. So I I started the research process then I had some idea of some ghost stories and, and some were in uh, uh, Mr. Patterson's book. But I, I wanted to go into that more broadly so I, I started looking and I was just absolutely stunned by the number of ghost stories, curses and counters and rock stars mm-hmm. who believed in ghosts. And so I was really fascinated by that. So when uh, they asked me to write another one, I kind of blurted out Ghosts of Country Music. Yeah. And before this, I, I, I really thought that there was something special about rock and roll, that, that rock and roll had some type of uh, mystical power that that attracted these things, but then after I delved into ghosts of country music, I came away with a much different point of view. Which I uh, even still uh, I believe that there is that music is a is a transcend uh, is a, is a a tool for transcendence and that. People who are attracted to music, both players and fans,
2: mm-hmm.
1: tend tend to have a deep belief in okay. the spiritual or supernatural. And you know, no matter which way you tend to believe these things, either uh, this can make this phenomena real, or um, they they tend to believe this and are open to it. So they're much easier right. spreading this information. I mean, I don't find a lot of ghost stories of Research writers or accountants <laughs> or things like that, yeah, you know what I mean. But but with yeah. with uh, rock and roll, especially now, they both have different. They have different tones to the stories. Rock and roll tends to be a little more edgy, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot more demonic activity, and uh, th- that's not. There are some in country too, but country mm-hmm. seems to be more traditional, right? Which which makes a lot of sense. So. Mm-hmm. this is this, this is one of the things that uh, keeps me writing about it because I try to make the uh, books as interesting as possible but I, I, I hold myself back from being a total egghead about it because I I really get into these this fascinating uh, background to it that there that that music if you think about music has accompanied most of the the great, uh, raising of consciousness, yes. uh, civil rights—you um, know—the uh, protests against the war are all part uh, embedded in this. So,
0: all right, uh, no, it, no, it's, it's like you know what you know what they call the soundtrack to your life. I think everybody thinks of, let's say, you think when I was a teenager, you know, what comes mm-hmm. to mind is what was the music that was going on. You know, everybody I think has that. Olivia, we're living yeah, under a rock. Yep. You know right it's... and
1: and that's another aspect of of this because i can play a song for you mm-hmm. and you can go back to being a teenager yes. you can relive those experiences yes. it's almost like a it's almost like a, a time machine so yes. i found that while i'm writing these stories and i'm trying to make them interesting and, and make sure i don't get too academic behind it i'm, I'm fascinated with the whole movement
0: well, and, and I imagine that some of these artists, and I don't know if you found this when you were doing your research, that some of them probably even had some type of experiences before they became famous. It oh, yeah. wasn't just something like, oh, after it became a famous music or let's say rock star, then I, I had these funky experiences with the paranormal. Lots of them, from what I understand, maybe had stuff even long before that.
1: Yeah, well, Jim Morrison, uh, lead singer of The Doors his uh, paranormal experiences almost go back as far as as me. He didn't okay. actually go back to birth, but when he was a kid, he had this real uh, run in, a lot of people know about it, but he was traveling in the, his his dad was a uh, uh, naval officer and they moved around quite a bit. And okay. one of the places they moved to, I think it was New Mexico. And as they were traveling through New Mexico, uh, Jim, his dad, his siblings, and his mom, they were in a car and they drove by a, an accident. And the accident had uh, involved uh, some Native Americans. And Jim looked out the window and saw the, the bodies of uh, several of these Native Americans. And he said he felt the, the spirits of those Native Americans enter his soul. Really? And uh, it, was, it was profound for him. Okay. And if you go ahead and check out any of the, the live performances, Jim, mm-hmm. when he's not when he's not too drunk and uh, you will see a, a almost a shamanistic um, type of performance. So it really affected him. He's just one of the many, many uh, Loretta Lynn is another one who has had uh, you know, paranormal or supernatural like yes. run ins since she was a kid.
0: Right, and I mean, I did not know that much. I, I had heard something about him, you know, because I saw the that movie that they made, that mm-hmm. Val Kilmer, which was, I think he was fantastic uh, playing the yeah. part. But sometimes, you know, Hollywood sometimes interjects stuff that when you come down to it is not accurate. Right, So, right. but from what you're telling me, this was something that, that yeah, I could see yeah. that. Uh, that's very interesting because... Um, a lot of times, like I said, their experiences start as early as childhood.
1: Yeah, uh, it definitely did with his. And, you know, I saw the same movie and in my estimation, I, I would say they underplayed it a little bit. I really? think it was probably one of the the most, I think it was a pivotal moment in, in Morrison's life. I mean, the way he's written about it and wrote poems about it. So, yeah. And, uh, and of course, Loretta Lynn. Right. She had. She has an extensive uh, supernatural legacy, which uh, I think the cool one that she talked about was when she was young, uh, and I take it that it was on Halloween or or -or trick-or-treat night, Mm -hmm. and she was was doing a lot more uh, tricking than treating, apparently, and she was soaping the window of a neighbor. Okay. And she and a friend, they were both looking in, the window, and they saw the neighbor who was in a chair facing the other direction, so they couldn't, she couldn't see Loretta and her friends open the window. Right. And they, they giggled and started to run away. And as they did, coming up the walk, the other direction was the neighbor. So oh. she was both in the house and outside of the house, and apparently really freaked them out. And Pet. that's what they call, she would call a haint according to right yes Appalachian
0: mm-hmm. right because they have their own set of beliefs and uh, mm-hmm. the folklore and everything as far as and I know that they have an extensive belief as far as superstitions and actual beliefs in the in ghosts and things like that mm-hmm.
1: yeah and uh, you know the other thing you find in in this book which uh Originally, I was just trying to go with the ghost stories,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but, but what I found is to tell the complete, uh, kind of occult uh, paranormal history of rock and roll or, or country music. I, I had to get into some of the other tales of, of uh, the paranormal, okay. and for instance, Loretta Lynn had a psychic experience where she knew that her father was gonna die. She had moved away. Uh, that was e- explained in Coal Miner's Daughter. There's a scene in there about that. Okay. But but she but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's not just really the the ghost stories, but they seem more spiritually, psychically right. in tune.
2: Yes. Uh, with
1: and and very very uh, familiar and comfortable with those types of
0: ideas. Right. Right. And I know that in some folklores they have like certain signs. Uh, you know, if you see, let's say, for example, an owl as a messenger mm-hmm. of death, things like that. I mean, well, Loretta Lynn, even without the paranormal, you look at her life and God, what a life. I mean, she's still yeah, alive, but yeah. still, so what a life.
2: <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, you know, she's um, it's incredible as far as, you know, what's happened. And, and I know I saw that, um, I think it was uh, people from Gross Adventures, they went over to her to yeah. the house where she lives at now in Tennessee. And, yeah. you know, they were discussing stuff that goes on there, whether it's, I don't know if it was part of the original house, but also things that happened to her personally. But I didn't know that what you said that, uh, that those things had already started happening to her when she was so young.
1: Mm-hmm. And even uh, the even the way she found the property, I think you're talking about uh, mm-hmm. Hurricane Mills. Hurricane Mills, right. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a... A supernatural event, just finding it. And I, I talk a little bit about it in the book, but it sounds like her and her husband used to take, uh, Sunday drives, like, like everyone used to. Right. Um, but, uh, she was, her and her husband were driving around and they were talking about getting a bigger place. And as they were talking about that, they almost, they, they got lost and they were just about ready to give up and try to find directions, and they pulled right up to the for sale sign. And they thought they were just buying the mansion. It turns out it was a little town that they were buying, which was... Wow. Yeah, it was at the scene of uh, a part of the, the property. There was a Civil War battle on, uh, so there was a lot of activity there. The, I bet. The, the mansion itself was owned by... A, a slaveholder, so there, are stories of the slave. Uh, there's a uh, basically a dungeon, uh,
0: right? That's what In I the
1: in the basement, uh, so oh. so that's one story that that. And then there's another story about this woman who wails. I think they call her the wailing woman, and she uh, was seen by the by the uh, her kids and and pretty much everyone in the family has has a story about living in that place.
0: Yeah, so it has its own history. Right. And then you bring in, she sounds like she's got her good dose of being, you know, like you said, not necessarily haunted, but psychic as far as maybe premonitions and the ability to see and all those things. So, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. Yeah. But in, and and some of these, um, have you had, because I know that, uh, Sometimes, especially with the uh, people that are involved in rock and roll, you know, a lot of them sometimes, you know, they they're, they get involved in drugs and sometimes mm-hmm. it leads to them dying or in suicide. And, and I think to myself, I wonder, you know, if they ever come back, you know, to let the people that they left behind, like, I shouldn't have done that or I made a mistake and things like that. Because. well,
1: Yeah, yeah. So Brian Jones was a uh, guitar player for the Rolling Stones and he died. There's this whole thing, the 27 Club, the number of people who yes. die at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. And Brian Jones died at 27. And there have been numerous, um, I guess you would say paranormal run-ins or encounters with, with his spirit. And in fact, actually prior to his death, uh, Mick Jagger, the lead singer, and uh, Marianne Faithfull, who was Mick's girlfriend at the time, and, and very close to Brian Jones too. They were doing the I Ching, or I King, however it's mm-hmm. pronounced. Right. And they they kept rolling Death by Water, and this was Ooh. just a few weeks before Brian Jones drowned in his pool, or was possibly murdered. That's a completely other conspiracy tale.
2: Okay. But
1: um, after that, uh, Mary Faithful had several. Encounters one. She was looking in a mirror and Brian Jones' image appeared to her. Then she became distraught and and uh, started to take drugs uh, pretty excessively. Went into a coma and said that the spirit of Brian Jones appeared to her during this this uh, coma while she was in a coma oh, and crap. told her to go back and and that it you know it was a mistake and and so. Uh, she actually straightened her life out pretty much after wow. that. So there's some incredible stories about that. Now, you know, the, the issue that you have when you're walk, uh, writing about rock and roll and the paranormal, is it paranormal or are they just tall high? You know, so, <laughs> so, uh, but, but this, you know, I, I think you can play both sides of the fence, but When you see someone have a dramatic encounter and Mm -hmm. then their lives change, that's to me is is a little more than just, you know, maybe the LSD or something like that.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, stuff like that. And uh, the thing is this, that sometimes, um, I mean, let's say that last story that you said that this lady, she (laughs) started doing drugs. And after you know, she's describing she has this encounter with somebody that she knew very well, and you know, like you said, the exact circumstances of his death kind of like a question mark. But still, after she comes out of it, she goes from being involved with drugs to straightening out. That speaks volumes mm-hmm. right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, a- and uh, I I thought the same thing when I when I wrote that. You can always I I am very big tent when I write these things, so. I, I try to give as many sides to it, as many tales as I can. Some of them I, I believe are probably ghost lore.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but but that's okay too, because I think ghost lore is important because it uh, uh, for a number of reasons, but I think besides it makes interesting reading, it's also uh, gives us a little bit of a um, an idea of of why these stories are spread and and uh, I think, The ghost lore, and I'll give you an example, Okay. probably the most famous example in the rock world is uh, this truck driver's driving in Tennessee. He picks up a hitchhiker, young guy, and the guy says he's going to Memphis. It's dark in the cab, and the guy can't really make out facial features. So the voice sounds familiar, and and he tells him he he wants to be dropped off at a certain address in, in Memphis. And as the truck driver takes him there, he is driving down the road, he realizes he's taking this young man to Graceland. And as soon as the hitchhiker jumps out, walks to the gates of Graceland, those iconic Elvis figurines on the the, the gate, he looks around and sure enough, the truck driver sees that it's uh, Elvis Presley. Oh. So so that's, a you know, I, I, I certainly don't think I don't have any first hand account from that truck driver. Right. But but to me it's an important story because it just shows you how deeply the fans oh, yeah. want Elvis to, to still be around. Right, that,
0: like that 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 that's like you said that theory that he didn't die, you know, he faked his death, that that kind of deal.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, and and that makes writing ghost stories about Elvis <laughs> much more interesting because there's ghost lore there's the fact that elvis might be working at a burger king down the street <laughs> there uh there elvis's friends all dressed up like him and and uh had uh, their hair styled like him and wore sunglasses like him so there's one picture that that i you, i saw it a lot in the 70s when i was a kid and it's this it looks like elvis sitting in uh i think it was the Uh, I think it was right off uh, the pool house. And, you know, it was spread. So I remember that it was spread as this sign. This was after Elvis's death and they opened up Graceland to the public. But it wasn't this rigid tour Mm -hmm. that they have now where you have to go from A to B to C. Right. But but a lot of these fans uh, would go on. And I guess they were allowed to wander the grounds a little bit. And somebody took this picture. So it does look like Elvis. But then. It could be Elvis. Oh, and the other thing I forgot to add is there are a thousand Elvis reenactors. That oh my God, yes, I like know.
0: Them. I mean, there's a whole industry around that. <laughs>
1: there is absolutely a whole industry. So what are you seeing? Are you seeing Elvis? Is he still alive? Are you seeing Elvis's friends? Are you seeing a reenactor? It, it, fun- it really gets crazy.
0: Elvis hiding out as a reenactor <laughs> in <Yeah>. plain sight.
1: <laughs> yeah. And they probably say that he, he's not very good at reenacting.
0: You know, it's like... It's like, yeah, he's good, but that's not the real you, know, Elvis. Yeah. And but you know what's really interesting, also, man. I and I don't know if you've come across it. I'm sure you have. When you talk, because some people think that you know, if you experience a hunting, that's it. Everywhere you go, you experience. But there's people. I mean, I've met them. Like you said, they come up to you and they tell you these stories. And it's just sometimes it's one thing that happened to them, either once or at a certain place where they lived or at they work. It was like a mm-hmm. moment in time that they'll tell you, look i can't account for it but i know something happened and then either before or after the incident or that location yeah everything is fine it's just that one situation that they feel that it was something supernatural
1: that's really interesting because one of the experiences i had which i don't i don't necessarily think was paranormal but uh, my friends and i went to to memphis and we went to graceland and we went to sun studio and honestly when i was in memphis i i could if if elvis would have came up and tapped me on the shoulder i wouldn't have even blanked i i could feel kind of that
2: mm-hmm. that
1: connection with with elvis and okay. you know i'm a big elvis fan but i'm not a ginormous right uh elvis fan but the other thing is when i went to sun studios the tour guide took us to the spot where the microphone was when Johnny Cash sang, uh, I think it was I Walk the Line, and then okay. they started to play that song, and I just felt completely lifted up. I mean, I could feel mm-hmm.
2: uh,
1: the, the energy surging through me. And so, you know, it. when I'm trying to be skeptical, I also have to be respectful that someone sure. else who has those feelings those emotions would uh that they need to be respected
0: oh, of course and some and another interesting thing is sometimes people have experiences when they're not perhaps looking for it in other mm-hmm. words it just happens to them it's not like oh they're in a in a certain location hoping that they're going to see something or they belong to a paranormal group things just yeah. happen to them and they try really hard to kind of like go into denial about what they're experiencing, right? But at right. the same and time, I... they they kind of sometimes, and it's really funny because sometimes they'll tell you that story almost like you're a complete stranger. I can tell you what maybe I haven't told my friends and my family, but I got to wow. get it off of my chest.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of funny too because uh, you know, obviously, I'm a I'm a science and research writer, and mm-hmm. I. Yeah, you know, I I completely respect science. Um, I I just feel that maybe it doesn't tell the complete story. Right. And the interesting thing was, uh, and I wrote a little bit about this is I was uh, with, in a meeting with uh, it was actually after hours and we were all just chatting. We were all a bunch of science writers and scientists and uh, the they I mentioned you know that I was writing these books and of course that causes excruciating awkward pause, and, <laughs> and uh, you know, I had to kind of talk my way, make sure they knew that, you know, I'm just uh, open-minded about this and and, and, and whatnot, but uh, as the night went on, these scientists would start telling me mm-hmm. their stories, yes. and they had some incredible stories that... It's that like, I guess you would you would consider almost like in the forms of haunting synchronicities. Yes, but it's I think I think you have a world. What I've never been really good at in my life is coming up with a, a real solid worldview. Mine's a little murky. And <laughs> uh, if you have these solid worldviews, believer and skeptical, light do right. the both do both of these. They try to pull the puzzle pieces out that don't fit. And, and so I think they're connected. I have no proof of that. Mm -hmm. But, but when I listen to uh, scientists uh, telling me their spiritual uh, stories, and when I listen to believers who uh, I might be able to debunk some of their things, Mm -hmm. they, they go through that similar process of, uh, you know, what's called taking stuff off the table so that only you see what you want to see, which is kind of interesting in itself.
0: I know and, and and the way I see it is okay there's people that are lying you know in other words they're fabricating stuff there's mm-hmm. people that believe it but they're mistaken you know the source is not paranormal supernatural it could be the raccoon up in the attic whatever yep you know and, but, I mean you can just you could take out all these different you know that but there, the but still that leaves a lot of experiences that people have sure. and like I said just because its very nature, like you said in science, you know, you want something that you can quantify, like proof or reproduce it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, whether it's a supernatural, paranormal, it's not an on-demand thing. And again, a lot of people experience this not when they have a camera or when they they were expecting to try to capture any type mm-hmm. of evidence. It just happens. So uh, th- the best they can do is tell you the story. Uh, and then you have some people that say, "You know what? If nobody believes me, I know what I experienced.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the best yeah. they can do, yeah. and i, as a as a former former journalist, I could probably tell you that you know there are stories in in all the books that I've written that you know go to the level of uh, believability based on journalistic standards, which are you know, usually, Multiple eyewitnesses, all witnessing the same thing. Right. All have similar experiences. They might have experienced it over time, or they might have uh, experienced it simultaneously. You know, we've probably executed people for less oh, than yeah. some of these. Uh, this testimony, and some of it is is you know quite frankly very powerful. And the other thing that uh, makes me open to the idea is i have uh, i have interviewed and i have uh, pu- you know written a- accounts that i found and blogs and uh, newspaper articles and magazines and television shows whatnot of people who were skeptics or at the very least non-believers or kind of agnostic mm-hmm. about it right. who have had life-changing experiences and that's yes. what i always get that's those those are maybe a minority in the books. Um, but, but they're interesting. And, and I start to think of that there is some type of connection with all of this in consciousness again, because of this music, I think that maybe it, it, it opens people up to, uh, sure. a sure. more a, a spiritual domain.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, they believe it's recognized that certain tones of music will alter your brain waves or put you into different states as far as your brain mm-hmm. is concerned. Um, and everybody's affected differently by music, uh, you know, whether it's rock, country, classic, whatever, mm, mm-hmm. you know, Buddhist, you know, humming bowl, whatever. Everything is, is, uh, affects people in a different way.
1: Right. Right. And music uh, is used in, in just about every single belief system.
0: Right. And yes.
1: uh, so it, it's, it, you know, it, it's funny because uh, I, I come to this and I have this realization, oh, the spiritual power of music, and you know, three thousand years ago, they were doing the same thing, and, and they, these people, and the and the indigenous folks recognized this years and years and centuries before I came across it. So I'm certainly not the first one on this, but there there's definitely a connection between this music and and uh, uh, the spiritual side of of reality.
0: Well, and and I tell everybody, you know, especially I'm going to use the blockbuster movies, and it doesn't that even have to be the recent ones, you know, where the CG effect. Mm-hmm. But I said, if you, if you don't believe in the power of music to get you there, try looking at those movies without any music.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I, you I, know,
0: I never thought about that. No, right. <laughs> no, no movie theme from John Williams or you know Howard Shore yeah. or any of these great composers that do you know these movie, the cinema, you know, the whole thing. Just Try right. watching the movie, it might be great, but somehow without the music, there, yeah, it loses it. It's like eh, it just carries you along, it really does. And, um, you know, you can understand, like I said before, how people that are involved in the creation of music, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's the actual composition, you know, lyrics and music, or just the playing of it, like you said, it opens them up, I think, on a certain level, um, yeah. In their brain, as far as giving them ability to be aware of certain yeah. things going on around them.
1: Yeah, and it's a it's a whole body experience. I mean, there's there's rhythms that that are very physical. There are uh, harmonies that are very mathematical.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it's a it's a both sides of the brain. It's it's analytical and it's also creative. So it involves the whole the whole being, if I can use that word.
0: Yes, of course, and and I don't know if you've heard that. Um, and I was like uh, I, that they were saying, well, now computers are, you know, or robotics or AI, whatever you want to call it, is composing music. And I'm thinking, the only thing is, it doesn't know when it's bad music. I don't think that kind of loses it. I, I, you know, you know, one yeah. thing is a perfect execution of maybe a piece that's already been written. But as far yeah. as original composition. I don't know. That doesn't do it for me. I guess I'm I'm not on board with the AI ship yet. It's like, no, okay. not there. Not there.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But yeah, and let me ask you, I know that um, Yeah. some of these, uh, whether it's musicians, you know, stars and everything, sometimes they, and I don't know if you ran across it, that sometimes they have premonitions about things that are going to happen to them. As far as um, I believe, one of them, like when you said that thing about, uh, um, oh my God, I can't remember any. We were just talking about her. Uh, Loretta
1: Lynn.
0: Yeah, Loretta Lynn. I'm sorry. Yep. You know yep. that she was a good friend with Patsy Cline.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And there, you know, Patsy yeah.
0: Patsy Cline um, ended up dying in that plane crash, and I believe there was mm-hmm. some type of premonition going on between them, or. Or something like that as far as, uh, I think, no, I, I take it back, I think it was Patsy Cline who kind of like had made some remark that she knew that she was not going to be living to be an old person or an old lady. Something like, yeah. along those lines.
1: Yeah, well, there are there are several of those. Uh, there, the one story is that Patsy Cline had said to friends, and I think it was Loretta Lynn. So Patsy was in uh, two car crashes, and they were progressively worse so one was bad then the other one was really bad Mm -hmm. and she said the third one's going to be my last one there you go and some people took that to mean if she survives it that's she won't have another accident again but a lot of people uh, thought that that was a premonition of hers and the other one that uh i don't know whether i you know what happens invariably is if you write a book two seconds after you send it to the publisher, you find an equally cold story that you forgot to add. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so this will be a bonus story if I didn't add it, but, um, she supposedly Patsy Cline, uh, finished her last album and went to a little gathering at Loretta Lynn's house or maybe, yeah, I think it was at Loretta Lynn's house and there was a it was kind of a party atmosphere and actually Loretta Lynn had gone to bed but when Patsy came in she insisted that they rouse Loretta Lynn to come down and talk and when uh, Loretta came down Patsy pulled up her f- album cover for her first album and said here's the first and then she pulled out her uh, what would be her last album and said here's the last wow and Loretta started to cry and ran back up stairs, and uh, Patsy said that she, what she was referring to, is that uh, that uh, you know, look how far we've
0: gone. But you know, mm-hmm. other people have,
1: have suggested that she kind of knew, and she had this uh, sense of fatality.
0: About right, it, that's so. what I understand. That she was kind of yeah. fatalistic about. Yeah. Yeah, you know, despite and, all her fame and everything, and I mean, I love her voice, but.
1: I think probably uh, the two most remarkable voices in, uh, American music history would be Billie Holiday and hers as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. But,
2: oh yeah.
0: uh,
1: but there are a lot of ghost stories about Patsy Cline too. I mean, uh, there's a, that whole area in Nashville, uh, Ryland auditorium and, uh, mm-hmm. some of the bars around there. Patsy Tootsies I think is the one where she's been seen at, uh, and also her, she had a house, which was her dream house. And she only lived in it, I think, six months before she passed away. Wow. Throughout uh, all the owner, not all the owners, but several of the owners have kind of stepped forward and said they've had these weird experiences in that place. They've heard uh, what sounds like a woman's high heels walking across the floor above their heads. And uh, so. Wow. So that's so you know her presence is is still felt
0: yes yeah she had you know like I said it's like one of these you see these lives that you look at her from the outside and she's very successful and she's mm-hmm. go, growing in stature as far as being a singer but the other yeah. side of their life they're kind of like totally off balance and it's it's a shame that that happens but yeah, you see that. I'm sure you you ran across that type of story more often than not. Now, let me ask you. You also wrote about haunted universities, and I think to myself yeah. that's a perfect place also for a lot of hauntings. A lot of drama yeah. goes on in universities. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, so, so basically, this this relates to my uh, when I told you that I I, I wrote this feature story mm-hmm. uh, about local ghost legends, and I didn't have enough room. Well, I had I didn't have enough material to complete this would probably be like an 800 word feature story. So I went to my alma mater, uh, Penn State,
2: okay. and
1: I found a ghost story or two there. And so uh, I used that and I, I thought I thought to myself, that's really weird because you have a university where technically you're supposed to get these students to come in and make them rational, scientific.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: what I found out later is that uh, every, this was before the internet, so what I basically had to do is every Halloween I had to look at uh, the student papers uh, through the AP wire to see if they had any Halloween stories.
2: Really? And what I
1: found was, was Penn State probably has more ghosts per per square yard than, than a battlefield like Gettysburg or something oh, like really? that. Here. Yeah, there are just so many ghost stories that I actually wrote my first book and self published it about Penn State ghost stories. Pitt uh, is, and I, I live in Pennsylvania, so that's mm-hmm. probably why I picked that. And Pitt uh, also has just a, an amazing number of these ghost stories. So uh, my first book was uh, the my book publisher asked me to kind of collect these stories from across the the country. Okay, and just just found some really intriguing things about ghost stories in universities. And, and they, too, run the gamut of a lot of ghost lore.
2: Mm-hmm. For instance,
1: Penn State is uh, haunted by a mule, which is a, a mule. Little, yeah. Okay. Uh, Old Coley was one of the, was the, uh, when they first founded the school, it was a farm school, and Old okay. Coley was used to haul limestone up and down, uh, the old main lawn to the, to the, they were building, uh, the new building was going to be called old main, which is going to be the main building of course. Uh, and, uh, the students also kind of fell in love with old Coley. They also had to, uh, as a Penn state student, you had to uh, pledge so much time service to the neighboring farms. So they would take old Coley to the neighboring farms and and work there. So they became so attached to old Coley that when he died, they preserved the skeleton. And nearly every place that the skeleton was displayed, for instance, Watts Hall, which is a dorm, there were these stories of being, you would be able to, you would hear the clip-clop of hooves walking down the hall. Oh wow! You would hear the hee-haw. People even said they saw old Coley. That happened uh, to all these different places where Old Coley was. Now, you know, again as an open-minded skeptic, that kind of is. I I work at Penn State. I'm on campus at nine o'clock or five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning at times. Mm-hmm. I have I have never seen a the ghost of a mule, but I think what's important about this story about this piece of ghost lore is it tells you so much about Penn State in that little minute and a half that I, I explained the, the background to it. You get a sense of yeah. Penn State community and service. And and so those stories are, are really powerful. Um, and then you have, on the other hand, you do have some stories of, of uh, you have old buildings. You often have uh, acts of violence.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so you have stories that I would equate more to ghost accounts where people have had, Especially some of these buildings are, you know, going over two centuries old. So right. it's it's kind of a it's kind of a very uh, uh, boiling stew of, of paranormal.
0: Well, you know what? And I'm thinking that that story about the mule. Let's face it, mm-hmm. that's hard to mistake for something else. But then that's another thing. You know, sometimes hauntings they fade. Let's say once upon a time maybe he hung out, and then mm-hmm. at some point. Somebody come and got him and said, hey, just l- don't hang out here anymore. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm yeah. thinking, you know, clip-clop. Let's, in other words, to hear this stuff in some of these places would be very unusual as far as to mistake it for something else.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: Because. Yeah, I didn't
1: think about that, for sure.
0: I mean, it's like, okay, like you said, that's a clip-clop of hooves in a building right. or, God, and, and if it was – uh, Yeah, it, it, and maybe it just moved on. Maybe it just didn't happen anymore for whatever reason. That's another thing. Sometimes people think especially like what you were telling, uh, talking about, you know, some stories that you think more of as folklore versus an mm-hmm. actual true ghost story, especially, the, you know, if it happened some time back. And sometimes people don't realize that some hauntings are not, they're not going to happen for infinite time. There's some of them are mm-hmm. finite, Something happens mm-hmm. where they just stop. They just stop for whatever reason. They just stop and that's it. And then, you know, but, um, and I, I imagine, like I was saying, uh, like a lot of universities, like you said, some of them are very old. Mm-hmm. And I found that wherever you have a lot of coming and going of people, whether it's a hotel or a university, um, sometimes a lot of uh, drama happens. You know, in people's lives, uh, like right. you said, some tragedies occur.
1: Right, and, and... I'll, I'll confuse things even more. Okay. Because uh, there, you know, as I said, there, there's this ghost lore, folklore attached to certain buildings that, mm-hmm. that that they say that are haunted. But what I find is there might be a connection to real ghost accounts too and uh, okay. uh there's a story about old botany which is the oldest standing building on the Penn State campus and you know as i was there so so one of the things i i, I would like to do is become a consultant for universities who want to avoid ghost stories on their campus because the <laughs> is that possible you, you think I, I i if there were any money in it i would be on it right away because <laughs> i've learned so much about it <laughs> But one of the things you don't want to do is have a grave on campus.
0: That'll, do it.
1: <laughs> that'll do it. That'll do it. But Penn State has a grave on campus. Uh, it, it was uh, President Etherton, who was one of the sort of the founders of, uh, of uh, Penn State. Uh, he kind of rescued the university from some pretty bad times. He's buried on campus. Okay. Across the street is old botany. This old, used to be a lab. And there's this story about, uh, president Atherton's wife haunting old botany and looking out the window. And I think there's even a picture somewhere of what looks to be a a woman looking out the window. Wow. But I consider it, you know, ghost lore. And there was another story that she was buried uh, in the attic, which I think was pretty sufficiently debunked. But in any event, I, you know, I wrote this, this book, this self published, this book. And, uh, You know, out of nowhere, I got a call from a friend who said, I I want you to meet somebody. And so we met for lunch and he told me he was the janitor at night.
0: Oh, that's it.
1: And he he had stories that I'll tell you, just kind of gave me shivers. Uh, And and again, I'm easily freaked out, but the one (laughs) that really stood out for me was that he was, uh, I think he was vacuuming the carpet Okay. and uh, he had just finished, and he had turned the vacuum cleaner off and was starting to wrap up the the cord, and he heard this crash. It sounded like glass breaking, and he said it was just a racket, so he figured someone had broken in, mm-hmm. and he ran down the hall, went to where the noise was. He could still hear the noise, and the instant he said that he opened the door, the noise quit. And he opened the door, turned on the light, and was just a normal office space. It hasn't been a laboratory probably in a century or so. Mm -hmm. And yet when I looked at, you know, when I talked to some people, some historians, that area probably did have some lab equipment, would have been glass and beakers and things like that. So you wonder whether, again, it all to me goes back to consciousness. I don't know whether... Uh, because you're in those places, you pick up on things that may have happened right. before. Uh, whether there maybe the ghost lore is a result of real, so real accounts could could create this ghost lore, this kind of communal ghost story, or could the the ghost story itself create this vibe that you either expect to see things right. or that it creates things. So right. uh, that's those. There are you know. I it's like, what comes Nashville... first, the
0: chicken or the egg, right? Okay. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. But you know what's really unusual, Matt? That, that thing, what you described that the janitor heard. I mm-hmm. find that's very common in different people that have experienced hauntings. Exactly that, where they'll be in another room or another floor, and they'll hear, like, crashing. Like, they think whatever there is, they're going to come, and they're going to find everything on the floor or everything shattered. Mm-hmm. And then when they get there, everything's fine. I that I, that is so common in so many stories of hauntings uh, well, what, that makes you wonder why that that's so prevalent.
1: Yeah, I the only thing offhand I could think of is maybe that you know maybe this we tend to be able to believe our sonic our you know our sense of hearing might be a little more in tune that if you follow what I I believe that the belief system might might more readily accept something like that. Uh, But I will tell you this janitor begged and pleaded to get off the, to no longer have to, to clean. Oh,
0: right. Exactly. It's (laughs) like, and that's another good. And it's really funny because back in October I did an investigation. Then I did a tour for them during Halloween of this old, it's an office building now in downtown Miami, but it was situated in when Miami started, and prior to that, there was a, a hotel there, a beautiful hotel right on the bay, and then they demolished mm-hmm. it 30 years later, and they built this bank building, which was one of Miami's first skyscrapers. But anyway, I just talked to some security, but the best source was this lady who was a cleaning lady who had been working there since the 1980s. Yes. And these are the perfect people.
1: <laughs> yes. I, I totally agree.
0: That have stories... Um, Because, like you said, they're there after hours, usually, you know, the noises level has come down. They're just doing their work. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, she she told me quite a few stories that you could tell. It was like, I don't know what it was, but this is what I heard. And, like, one time she went up to uh, a floor that had been emptied out. There was no, no one up there. And the thing about this building is that Dave maintained it very well, but it's got almost all the original woodwork flooring it's it's a oh. beautiful art deco building mm-hmm. and she says at one time she after hours of course she's going there to because they maintain even an an empty uh floor of offices and she says that when you when you come out of the elevators for each floor you come to a hallway where you could either go off left or right because the the building is almost like a U kind of thing she says mm-hmm. she comes out and she sees a lady walk across, like a, like from the hallway. She looks down and she sees a lady walk across. Her line of vision, and she's thinking wow. to herself, "Who is? You know, like this is an empty floor, but." And which is one of the things where they don't immediately think that it's supernatural. They're thinking this is mm-hmm. a real person, so she says she walks out and the thing is that there's only one way to get off the floor it's off that main entrance and then the elevators are there so in other words wow. she went over to that side where she had seen the lady walk across mm-hmm. and there's no way that the lady could have left that floor without running into her in other words unbelievable And she didn't find anybody and of course she got off the floor real quick right? <clears throat> Yeah, (laughs) And it's and that's what I'm saying, that these are usually the best sources when they tell you these stories. And um, because they're just doing their work, they're just doing their job. But they're there at odd hours consistently, time after time after time. And uh, yeah, some of the things she told me, there was another story, same thing. Uh, First floor, it had like a cafe, you know, where the building goes down to eat lunch, you know, people that work. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to the guy who, he does like maintenance in the building, but originally he had been like a security guard. And he says that the lady that would open it up goes in there and she sees what she thinks is a man. Runs out, comes and gets him and goes, there's a man in there. She's thinking it's a real person. He goes in there, no man. Wow. So he says he had to write a report on it and everything. Eventually, like the second or third time, she started getting scared because she realized that the real the man or figure she was seeing in there because in other words when she would come into the to because it had like a, a storefront since it was on the first floor and people could walk in off the street or from through the back from the building it had some type of like subdued lighting when she would walk in through the back and she kept seeing this outline of this man in there so yeah the regular people sometimes those are the ones that i'm talking about they're not looking for it. they're not walking around with a camera
1: yeah yeah and they're I I find them so trustworthy. And, uh, unfortunately the ones that have the really good stories are the ones that, that tend to, to be very, they, they're very personal and and you have to get to know them and and get their trust before they tell you the stories. So that makes it a little difficult, um, to reach out to them. But yeah, if you get a couple, I have a couple of those stories and, and again, usually for me, it's after I've written the books that people come to me and tell me yes. their their personal accounts because now I'm someone I think that they can trust.
0: Right. And believe it or not, that thing of that, like uh, that you're going to keep your confidence, but that sometimes you're not really a friend or a family member because it depends. Some people, they even, get, they even get a hard time from their own friends or family.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: And also what you said, that thing about the scientists or people that – amongst their peers they're like, I don't believe in that mm-hmm. but then they'll take you off to the side and then they'll go, But wait a minute, you know, just between you and me, I had this one experience and then like you right. said, they give you this story and you're like, What? But unfortunately yeah. they don't wanna like uh because of their careers or whatever type of work they're involved in, they just can't afford to like actually come out and say they believe in the supernatural.
1: Sure, and and there's a lot of dogma involved that, you know, people that have certain beliefs they they become so rigid and mm-hmm. even to entertain other ideas even when you know i my point was i don't care whether you call it supernatural there might be a natural explanation but you right. got to consider it weird yeah. at least give me the weird
0: it's weird <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know exactly but you know there's a lot of people like you said they're very rigid and unless you mm-hmm. can produce proof or reproduce it over and over again so that it could be tested they're like okay sorry uh i'm not that doesn't fall into the into the realm as a matter of fact the other day um i was talking to somebody about um you know people that have cited ufos Mm -hmm. and they were saying you know how sometimes a lot of officers and pilots and military they see it but they don't say things, even even if they don't understand what it is. It's just something they can't identify for whatever reason. And they say, no, they never talk about it because they know that that would deep-six their careers. Because yeah, yeah. forever after, they would be known as that guy that saw the whatever. Absolutely. So, there
1: are so many stories of pilots getting grounded for just mm-hmm. saying, I saw something and I couldn't explain. Right,
0: that I couldn't explain. It's not that they're saying it was a flying saucer. It's like, hey, I just don't know what that was. I know it's not another plane or like... but what is it
1: yeah but you know we do live in interesting times because there's uh, there there seems to be now that I think you know honestly you know if you had the weirdo meter out some <laughs> of the stuff that I talk about in my books is no weirder than some of the things we talk about in quantum physics yeah
0: well you know yes, and exactly. and
1: now that we have a lot more uh, opening uh, up of these Anomalous things that we see in the sky, especially pilots, trained observers. Mm-hmm. This World War Two book that I worked on, I talk uh, oh some God. about Foo Fighters in there,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and these these people can recognize the make and model and year of a uh, Schmidt at two and a half miles, and they see things that they've never seen before and can't identify them. Right. I think it's it's actually unscientific not to want to question that not of to course. want to learn more
0: of course and i'm thinking to myself if you're a pilot the last thing you really want to see is something up there in the same airspace absolutely and you don't know what it is right yep because oh, what is it you know let's say you're not even going in the et kind of thing is this an enemy is it is it going to bring me down uh Mm-hmm. It could be a million things. So I, I know that a lot of, but at the same time, like you said, after a while, especially if you have a certain years of experience, you know, may, or in some cases, the way to describe the movements of certain, they they know, hey, I don't know of any airplane or any air, anything that can move that way. Right. Against the laws of physics. But like you said, now that, I mean, there's a lot of stuff going on as far as physics and, um, it's i mean it it could go in so many ways as far as uh uh what they're really realizing as far as uh, our dimensions and interdimensional and uh, i'm thinking you know maybe in the future we'll instead of traveling distance as in light years we'll just be traveling interdimensionally or as uh as what what do they say beam me up scotty you know yeah, disassemble yeah. your molecules on this end and reassemble them
1: <laughs> yeah i mean those things are Are being contemplated now as, as not science fiction, but as, as at least possibilities. And that's what I think I try to get at is don't be afraid of the possibilities. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, you're, some people are almost, it it feels like they're almost afraid to, like you say, to say, you know, it it was unexplainable. I I couldn't explain it. You know, that's okay. That's, that's where it all starts. But, um, yeah, it's it's a... It's well, sometimes kind of some people times. think of
0: it, let, let's face it, 100 years ago, let's say 1920, as, you know, industrial revolutions already, you know, underway. And, but who could have ever have thought of all the technology and all the advances that we've made in 100 mm-hmm. years? Mm-hmm. So some people think, well, you know, like I said, that example of beam me up, Scotty, you know, that you're transported, basically your molecules are disassembled and reassembled, hopefully all in the right place, at point B, and I think to myself, yeah. Just because we don't know how to do it now, doesn't mean we can never figure it out. Right,
1: that's exactly right. And, and I mean, my my uh, my experience in this is, you know, as a kid, I would always look at Dick Tracy's wristwatch. You mm-hmm. know how he would always communicate with this wristwatch. Yeah you're right. Yes, it, and I just wanted something like that. That's I thought that was the coolest thing. Right, and then you know. Two weeks ago or so, my my mom calls me, and I answered using my Apple Watch.
0: I was going to say your but, Apple Watch, and, and I got I the thought, Fitbit, and
1: uh, yeah. And I thought, not only is it better, not only am I doing this, but it's actually a little cooler than what Dick Tracy had. I yes. mean, I can call up a radar on this and everything. Right. So you know, the that's what I'm. If that's like the one message that I I keep is that. You just got to keep yourself open to the possibility. You don't want to close yourself off from possibility. You you can go and try to prove it wrong, debunk it. That's fine. But uh, I think the issue is when people on both sides just don't even want to entertain the other person's point of view. And, you know, I I accept the skeptical side, too. Sure.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think... Uh, especially when it comes to paranormal and supernatural stuff, a lot of people like running the other, or, you know, they think, Oh, because of the science and I'm thinking, no, science is very necessary proof. You should always look for proof if you can obtain it or something that, uh, leads you in that direction to that conclusion. Uh, You know, certain, you know, what they call preponderance of evidence, even if you don't Mm -hmm. have the hard facts, even if you haven't been able to capture it, but that you have enough incidents that lead you in that direction that you could say, okay, this sounds like it might be, yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we can't, but there's a, you know, there's, there's a place for both things, whether it's the scientific versus the open-ended inquiry that, Hey, I'm, I'm going to still pursue it. Even if I don't have hard facts or proof to to provide, but uh, yeah, like there's a lot of exciting stuff and uh, all of this, as uh, as far as you know i'm sure that when you're writing your your books uh contrary to what a lot of people believe that you know some of these people that believe in ghosts they're like oh they're way out there you i'm sure haven't you run across that very down-to-earth people will tell you these stories
1: oh i i mean the the number of people that have told me their stories that have been down to earth sane mm-hmm. not prone to uh uh hallucinations are are by far the majority of the people that yes. have talked to me. Now, I, I think I've, I've talked to a couple wackos. But, oh,
0: sure. <laughs> uh,
1: but I, you can talk to wackos in any, any type of philosophy. Yeah, whatever. But no, the people that have talked to me, uh, and usually it's at book signings, uh, which I hate, by the way. But, <laughs> um, but they, they come up to me and they'll start telling me their stories, and mm-hmm. and some of them, you know, I, you just, you just get a a feel for yeah. a lot of these folks that they they're they're almost desperate to to tell some like they look at me as an expert and I don't right. consider myself an expert at right. all. I consider myself a complete novice at this, but uh they look at they're really looking for guidance and sure. and, and 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 maybe someone to to acknowledge uh what or For experience. somebody to say,
0: "You know what? I've heard of other people of having that experience." And I'll be like, mm-hmm. "Oh thank God." Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah
0: i'm not that odd yeah. <laughs> i tell everybody you know what i hate to say it because we're so celebrity driven nowadays it's almost like this fear of being ordinary and it's yeah. like there's nothing wrong with being ordinary um right and even seeing let's say your ghost or having a spooky uh experience mm-hmm. uh it still means you're an ordinary person and it I, I i'm a big believer that there's a lot of ordinary happy human beings running around <laughs> versus the other type. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ordinary is a good thing. But anyway, thank you so much, Matt, for spending this time tonight. It You're has welcome. been wonderful to interview you. Um, like I said, I see that your next book is going to be out in October, right? The the one for mm-hmm. World War II.
1: Yeah, and I'm actually doing uh, more haunted rock and roll. Oh, really? And it's gonna yeah, it's gonna be um, I'm gonna self publish that. Okay. And that should be out in a in a couple months, but it's. Uh, I'm also including some of the UFO stories. A lot of rock yes. stars have had UFO encounters.
0: Oh really? Oh yeah, my so, God! See, that's so, so interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that was a. That's I. I've had a lot of people ask me. You know. Well, first of all, a lot of people yell at me because they say, "Well, you forgot this story and you forgot that story." So like, yeah. I tried to collect all those up, and and I'm gonna I'm gonna do it because it's a. It's been kind of a labor of love for me a lot of these these stories, and especially in in the music world. So that'll sure be the next one, and then in October I'll have uh, the World War II one come out.
0: Fantastic, okay, thank you so much. Thank and good you. luck at all your projects, treat. and I hope I can bring you back and you can tell, I, I, I gotta hear these rock and roll slash UFO stories.
1: I would love to, it'll be great.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, thank you so much. Take care, Matt. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. So guys, wasn't it great, oh, Marlene? Of course I'm, I'm in hog heaven. I'm talking about the paranormal, the supernatural, and ghosts and UFOs. Of course I'm happy. Yes, and uh, I love the the approach that he has, which is, you know, country music and uh, rock and roll. And as I I totally agree with what he was saying that somehow or other people that are involved with music, like I said, whether it's composing music and or playing music. uh, Maybe, I mean, it's well recognized that certain music will affect people, their brainwaves. It puts you into different levels of brainwaves. And um, that most definitely, this could have some type of impact on their ability to witness or be aware uh of things going on around them and i totally agree that like that story that he said about the guy that gives elvis a ride to graceland and it's a folklore it's a great it's like one of those hitchhiker stories and you know i think that there's a lot of stories like that and but and 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 i think that there's people sometimes that are close to some of these uh, singers or whatever that knew them intimately, whether they were family or friends that maybe have had their own experiences that they've never said anything about. Because, but they know that it's this person because the sign that they got, the sighting, the sound, whatever it was that they experienced, they knew that this was something that only that person would do. And something that wasn't commonly known. known, Sometimes, you know, especially now with all the paparazzi and tabloids, you know, all the details of, uh, especially if you're t- some type of celebrity, you know, everybody knows everything. But like I said, there's always people around these people that have, that know certain things about them that are not well known to the public. And I think that a lot of times these people, they... They have experiences some of them talk about them others don't where they know specifically it was that person who came back either to give a message or i saw something i mean it could be a million things like i said also a lot of celebrities sometimes you know despite being very successful in their careers and making lots of money and uh, they can't even go out in public sometimes because popularity sometimes their personal lives are not good ones they're not happy ones unfortunately sometimes the drug use doesn't help any and what he was talking about that 27 Club you know glorious life dead by 27 Uh, yeah Uh, a lot of times in other words, one of the point I'm trying to make is that some of their lifestyles and the way they died, the circumstances, are tied into a lot of active and intelligent hauntings. Either one, because they might be confused, or two, they realize that maybe they made a mistake if there was some type of suicide or drugs. And some of them, it could just be that they are not ready to not live the life that they thought that they were going to have you know you get used to being popular being adored by fans all of this and all of a sudden it's not there you lose it war and then you get other stars that you know peak and they're very famous and then for some reason their star goes down and uh, they lose their popularity and for a lot of these people despite all the money they've made losing uh that connection with their fans or not being as popular or being eclipsed by other actors other stars other musicians because let's face it i would say the bulk of musicians you get some instances where you get some that they've been around for 40 50 years rolling stones and well the beatles broke up but what i'm saying is that they probably be together uh yeah you get some musicians that have been around for a long time and will be around for a long time but there's a lot of them that have their heyday their moment in the sun or some or what they call the oh you know the ones that have one song and that's it one hit wonders and that's it and uh, some of them accept it but there's others that don't you know some some of them go and do their own thing whether it's produce music in the background or take their money and just uh, go into some other career but a lot of people cannot give up on that they're not there and sometimes they kind of die unhappy they're always trying to recapture fame and fortune so yes that's definitely a reason sometimes why you're going to see hauntings but anyway I want to bring Matt back because I want to talk to about the stars and your UFO sightings. I wish I, I could have asked him about that, darn it. I wish I would known at the beginning. But anyway, guys, I hope you like the show. I love the show. I sp- love speaking to Matt. Uh, I've got a lot of great guests coming on. You guys are going to really love it. I've got a lot of interesting people coming on to talk about different things having to do with the supernatural, the paranormal, the unusual, which reminds me, my true believers, don't forget about me and send me your story. Go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to the Submit Your Story tab. Let me hear from you. I've gotten a lot of great stories, but I would love to hear some more. Uh, they don't have to be involved. They don't have to be lengthy. They don't have to be first hand. It doesn't have to be about ghosts. It could be anything unusual. Sometimes people have events that they just can't explain doesn't mean that they saw the ghost it's just something weird happened i want to hear about it uh catch me on facebook twitter uh instagram that's where i live stream uh also remember that you can catch a podcast version of the show on all the podcast platforms such as spreaker itunes iHeartRadio, radio stitcher Podbean, blah 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 wherever or even if you go to the website you can catch a link to the youtube video or actually download the mp3 file from there if that's what you would like so again guys thank you so very much for being part of my audience uh thank you for coming back and i've gotten a lot of positive feedback from you guys so again guys take care have a great night